That song happens to be a song written by myself about myself. Oh, and that explains it. That's right. I'm tired. You know what? People laugh at me. That's a song about me, about how people laugh no, behind my back and ridicule have. me. It no, tells no. of the agony of being ridiculed Tommy, Tommy. and laughed at. Nobody laughs behind you, your back. You're exaggerating. You, you laugh. You, I don't. Nobody you, laughs behind his back. You He's and Mom laugh behind <laughs> That's not true. Nobody, How do you like it? How would you like someone laughing behind your back? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're certainly a strange, weird guy. <laughs> all right, all right. Stop it, Tommy. Stop it. Following you around oh, behind your awful. back. That is awful. And Mom and you did that. Me Always and Mom. Laugh. What do you mean, me and Mom? You and Mother. Well, she's your mother, too. You I had that. no control over that. <laughs> Chris Gowser here with... What now? This is going to be a long night. Quit. Just keep... You're not as cute as you think you are. Give the interview. Your mic... Your mic mute is so loud. I I don't... It's the same fucking mic that you have. It's the same fucking mic. Shut the fuck up. You know what it looks like on the actual audio thing. I'm tired of listening to you bitch about the show. Do the intro. It's just funny to me. I'm just... Deafeningly loud. And I mean, mute mine right I'm now. sorry. I want you to hear if you can hear this. Can you hear this? You ready? Yeah, you want to fucking switch? Do you want the new one? You should pack that one up. You send it to me, Did the one that? that's worn out. I don't know what Did to you tell hear you. That? I'm going to do it again. You ready? I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, do you want to do this show by yourself? You're about you're about 30 seconds away from doing this show by yourself. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're mad at me because we had a half an hour delay. Because you were you had audio problems, yeah. And now you're mad at me about it, right? No, it's just because you're just it's just one thing after another with you. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, the button is too loud. I'm sorry, the button is too loud. I really wish it, it makes me laugh. That's all. It just but, makes me laugh. It's an, an endlessly enjoyable to me. I, but why? Why? Like you never and done you're anything the one wrong. You reacted on on air. I, you you never do anything wrong. Hand wave me. Well, no, I have a very squeaky chair. Listen. No. I gotta get that checked out. I got a doctor coming over. I have a, I have a chair doctor. This week in the first run, <laughs> it's a Matt Howell special. Yes, yeah, it's biopic week, and uh, the only thing we're missing is a horror comedy mashup or something that's like a play, mm. really, just to push Matt over the edge. First up, it's gonna be Michael Mann's Ferrari, featuring Adam Driver as the titular spaghetti-loving talking car Ferrari. Then Bradley Cooper's passion project. I thought that was pretty good. Then Bradley Cooper's passion project, Maestro, featuring the life and times of potentially America's greatest composer, Leonard Bernstein. Cooper, Cooper, or Cooper, co-writes, directs, and stars as the titular Maestro, Lenny Bingbongs. There's a mouth-watering rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring the streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the show, discussing five things we watched independent of the show that uh, we really enjoyed in 2023. And I'm very happy to say, Matt, that I think now I can firmly say when we'll be doing our wrap-up for the year, our 10 favorite films, because Zone of Interest drops at the end of the month. Okay. Finally, screenings are going to hit, at least here, at the last weekend of January. That's the like the, the last film I've been waiting for. So, yeah, anyway, Matt and I are going to talk off air and see if we can mend this fence. Here's Ferrari. On the straight into the tight corner at Nouveau-Mont, there's only one line through it. Barrel pulls up next to you, challenging. You're even. But two objects cannot occupy the same point in space at the same moment in time. Barrel doesn't lift. The corner races at you. You have perhaps a crisis of identity. Am I a sportsman or a competitor? How will the French think of me if I run Barrel to a tree? You lift. He passes. He won. You lose. Man, he sounds really upset there, Matt. So what is uh, Michael Mann's Ferrari? I really wanted to hit that spaghetti, too. Like, Giada does, and I totally messed up because I was still hung up on the opening of the show when, you know, Giada was spaghetti. Sure. <laughs> so, Matt, what is Ferrari all about? It's about uh, Enzo Ferrari towards the later part of his career, his... Uh, factory's in trouble his company's in trouble he's come up with the f1 car but he's decided that he's going to bring his fortunes back around 
by winning a grueling thousand mile race that I forget what it's called, you know, something, some, some famous Italian race. I think it's the uh, Lasagna 5000. <laughs> really? It's not the Fettuccine 200? <laughs> anyway. I then, can make those jokes. I'm Italian. Yeah, you yeah. are. Well, I mean, didn't we find out? Not, a, not a really. A little bit. Yeah. A little hey, bit. Scalzo is uh, certainly Italian. Sure. So I don't know. And, uh, and, and then there's like, then there's a, a side story about his relationship with his wife and his mistress and his illegitimate son and all kinds of stuff that's all brought in together with some fancy Michael Mann racing scenes. You mean the interesting part of the story right. is what you're telling me. Yeah, exactly, yes. You know what's funny too right now is my volume is like jacked up and I cannot figure out how to turn it off and I'm terrified it's going to bleed into my microphone. <laughs> I've hit all three places that impact my volume and none of them. All right. This oh, is just, it's so it's just, it's, just, it's just audio problems all around? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, no. I hit, well... I don't, I'm not going to poke that tiger. <laughs> uh, okay. Matt, what are your thoughts on Ferrari? Is it the, uh, did it get past your biopic, um, your your antipathy for these types of films? Are we able to get into it? It is a Michael Mann film, by the way. It is. It is. So, movies usually crackling with energy. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I don't think this film is, is crackling with energy at all. I would say this is not set up like a typical biopic. It's very kind of focused on a particular point in his life. And it seems to be telling... A very specific story, which I think we'll talk about some more with Maestro, but this is structured a little weird, and I was hoping that it would be better because of that, but it, it's almost like it's unfocused. It doesn't really... I don't know that much about Enzo Ferrari at all, and I think it almost kind of assumes that you have some background in what this guy's deal is as far as beyond the fact that he's this, you know famous Italian car maker and it was intrinsic to like, you know, European racing and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I think man makes some choices that I think are incorrect in making assumptions about what people know about them, about Ferrari himself. And as you said, the kind of racing car parts of this business parts of this are very boring. But like when you start bringing in, you know, Penelope Cruz and you know Shailene, what's her Shailene Woodley? Woodley, things start to when you start looking focusing on the personal drama and his interpersonal relationships, it, it becomes a much better film. But I don't know if it ever really it's enough to elevate it beyond my biopic biases. Yeah, I here's what I think it might be part of the problem. Maybe it's just me is. I, I don't know much about Mr. Ferrari, uh, much at all. So I don't know if well, the, 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 they try and get across to you is that his only concern is racing, mm-hmm. particularly winning. And then in the secondary order being his family, particularly his son who died. And he has this illegitimate son who he's has this basically almost quite secret family on the side that he's hiding from his wife. Though basically everybody else knows about them. Right. And, if that's what we're going for here, I feel like then that man's crying, trying to show him as this coldly dispatched and dispassionate kind of individual, independent of the racing scenes. And then when he has these kind of more quiet, intimate moments, like at his son's grave uh, or have these moments with his um, living son. And. OK, I think part of the issue is that I think that Adam Driver's Enzo is just almost too stoic. I mean, you think you get flashes of intensity from particularly that clip we played, but that seems to be the most that the, the 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 most emotion we really get out of him. And for a man who's obsessed with winning, he seems oddly ambivalent about everything else that's happening around him for the most part. And the problem is, I think the film is like that way as well. So I think I wonder if man is trying to build us up and kind of pr- bring us into Enzo's world and show that his focus is I'm going to win. And then I'm mourning my son's death. And I have this other family that I'm dealing with, but I want to win. That's what I'm focused on. And then everything else gets kind of this cold, cold icy uh, uh, reaction or interactions with him. And then it permeates the whole film. But then, it, unfortunately for me, it makes it not that engaging and interesting mm-hmm. a movie. Until, until Penelope Cruz shows up as his wife. Mm-hmm. I think she is the most interesting thing in this entire film. 
She's the loose lug nut on the tire that threatens to spin this whole film out of control and destroy everything around her at any moment, right? And then kind of shifts into almost the moral compass of the film as well. And she's the one person, though, in the film that I engaged with, that I thought oh, it was interesting and I wanted to see what it's going to Because look, there's moments like, you know, Christ, what is she going to do? What is she going to do? Right? She is the only one that really brings any stakes to me. As to, I didn't know what the hell's going to happen. I have no idea. And I have like almost no background or anything. I didn't know about the accidents. I didn't know about the troubles the company had. I didn't know about any of that stuff. All I know about Ferrari is Pat Magnum P.I. and Tom Selleck. <laughs> That's basically it, right? And that they, they have that particular red color. And was it a Palomino, the horse, mm-hmm. yellow horse symbol thing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Cruz. I, I think she's almost for me worth seeing the film. And I think Driver is good enough in this. And I think the 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 moments when the two of them are together are probably the most interesting in the film. What do you think about my uh Ms. Cruz there? Penelope Cruz? Yeah, I think she is, you know, bringing out the scorned wife who's angry about the death of her son and angry about her husband's infidelity and you know kind of cutting her out and replacing her i mean she i always think it's interesting just the way man shoots her she's always like almost she's so often shot like heavily shrouded in darkness like she's almost like a silhouette or a ghostly face like lurking Mm. in the darkness as kind of this thing that can crush his entire empire at any moment as some kind of uh vengeance focused you know fury or something like that but she is by far the best part of this film but I don't know. I think it's weird, like, just a few years ago when we got the Ford versus Ferrari story, which the kind of racing and the actual car part of that was pretty interesting. This yep. is just not. You know? What would you think about the filming of the races? I think that it's pretty well done, and I think the engines roaring and the the shots and how the he tracks the racing and stuff is good, but it feels like a bygone era. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a modern visual representation or storytelling of a race. It feels kind of more classic, almost seventies filmmaking kind of the way they do. He does the race. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I didn't, was not particularly impressed with the racing footage until they went to the actual large race at the end, like the kind of track stuff. Like I thought it was incidental. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, I mean, that, and that's most of what you yeah. see as far as the driving goes for the majority of the film. Yeah. And no, I don't think I can disagree with you. Did you know that Hugh Jackman was in uh, Nomi Rapace originally supposed to be the, uh, Really? Ferraris. Nomi, Nomi Rapace would have been a, an interesting choice. I think Penelope Cruz is perfect in this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's the most interesting thing in the film for me. So, I don't know, man. I think in the end, like, I asked you about its crack one. I think if you're going to have a film about super fast Italian sports cars and the legacy of an icon in that industry, it lacks that, like I said, like you said, too, that energy. It's, it's For some reason, it's just not there. Uh I don't. I, I'm vacillating between a B minus just because of Cruise mm-hmm. and a C plus, and I feel like I'm going to settle on a C plus. Yeah, I'm going to give it a C. It just uh, there's just not enough there to get get me over the biopic hump. But then we get to talk about another one in a little bit that also has my other great love of musical theater kind of shoved in there as well. So I'm very excited for you. <laughs> So if you had a chance to see uh, Ferrari, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'm excited. I figured out what my audio issue was. So I'm able to lower the volume in my headphones. Nice. So who's a, who's a good boy? Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, January 16th. Matt, I have replaced the first clip of the countdowns. Are you excited? Mm-hmm. I know you are. Number five. Matt, I'm going to go number five. Oh, wait, i got to play the clip first. Hold on. Jeez, Chris, get your head together. I was all excited about changing one of the clips. I'm going to try and do one a week, but then there's this. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers? Yeah, of course we are. Can't you smell it? No, Sam. I can't. Come on, Dewey. Join the party. No, Dewey. You don't want this. Get out of here. You know what? I don't want no hangover. I can't get no hangover. It doesn't give you a hangover. Well, I'll get addicted to it or something? It's not habit-forming. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't want to 
overdose on it. You can't OD on it. It's not gonna make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex even better. Sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. Hmm. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. Okay, but just this once. Come on in. So that is a clip from the classic uh, comedy. I'm gonna say I walk hard. Mm -hmm. I need to rewatch that thing. It's I don't. It just didn't really connect with audiences in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's officially a cult classic, but. That film, for me, it's like Anchorman funny. Mm -hmm. It's where it gets funny. It's, it's funny every time I watch it. It, it doesn't get old. And uh, well, it's not exactly number five, though, so we'll talk about that in a second. But you're number five. Number five? Uh, MVD is putting out Cutting Class, one of the first uh, starring roles or just performances by Mr. Brad Pitt. You can get a 4K or a Blu-ray. It's about a murderer who's loose in a high school in, the, in a whodunit movie, Matt. So that's, uh, that's your uh, five, as they say. Four. Chopper is being released by Shout Factory, the kind of film that, that, that I think blew up Eric Bana. It tells the story of the intense Mark Chopper Reed, a legendary criminal who wrote his autobiography while serving a jail sentence in prison. His book, From the Inside, upon which the film is based, was a bestseller. Two. Whoop, nope, wrong one. Get three coffins ready. Uh, huh? But you'd heard that clip. That's the new one, too, but it doesn't work. I have to do it again, son of a bitch. <laughs> Three is Run Silent, Run Deep from Kino Lorber is being released. This is the Clark Gable, Burt Lancaster film. Brand new audio commentary on that one. It's about uh, Rich Richardson. He's a hard-driving, dedicated submarine officer with a single-minded purpose, Matt, to seek out and smash the Japanese destroyer he believes sunk his former ship. Given a new command, Richardson drills his men to the point of mutiny as he relentlessly trains them for battle ahead. At last, word comes of the destroyer's position. And disobeying orders, he finally confronts his foe, unaware that an even greater enemy lurks nearby. One who's been targeting him for a watery grave. And here's your two. It doesn't work. It played much better when I pulled it. It's actually two. It's from, it's from The Devils, which oh, okay. is currently streaming on the Criterion channel. All right. But uh, that's not going to work. I'm going to have to do a full thing or find some stuff. I'm so disappointed in myself. Two is Walk Hard. Uh, I think it's based. I don't know if it's out of print, but it's really hard to find this on physical media. Walmart's putting a steel book out, so that's why we wanted to drop it in there. I think people knew we could finally pick it up again. It includes the theatrical and the unrated versions of the film, which is good. There can be only one. Here's one Matt I've been really excited about. John Sayles is Lone Star. One of my favorite films of the 90s is getting released on Criterion. It'll be a Blu-ray and a 4K. I already pre-ordered it through my local Viper video, so it may even be there soon. Uh, my OSS-117 is there. But my old boy 4K was supposed to arrive with it, and it has not shown up. So mm. I'm getting a little concerned. But Lone Star is about a modern-day sheriff of a Texas border county who investigates the murder dating from his father's time as sheriff that no one wants to talk about. It's a brand-new 4K restoration supervised by Sales, and new conversation with Sales, and new interviews as well. Have you ever seen Lone Star? I haven't, no. Chris Cooper, Elizabeth Pena? Uh-uh. It's really good. It's this kind of noirish western thing. It's uh, you get a chance to see it, folks. Check it out. Uh, I saw it in the theater at the old Cinema City Mat in uh, Hartford. One of those. What's when I really started to get into film, right? Using that kind of word, cinema, <laughs> instead of just going to the movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lone Star was one that I saw there. So good stuff. Four uh, K Police Story Three Super Cop is being released by Eighty Eight Films in a standard edition. The deluxe version is out of print. Uh, I do have that, though. So thank you very much. And then there's going to be a Steelbook release in 4K, Matt, of The Raid Redemption. Mm. So uh, I haven't heard any news yet about the transfer, how it looks. I'm curious to see how the reviews go. But I do kind of already own it on Blu-ray. So unless it's some kind of revelatory kind of transfer, I'm probably going to sit tight with what I have. We'll see. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt, is going to be Demonic Toys, Jack Attack. A young and orphan girl without the ability of speech, Matt, finds that she's been gifted with a notorious jack-in-the-box from the Demonic Toys. Have you ever seen the Demonic Toys films? I never have. No, I have not seen them. I, I... No, no, I don't think I've seen any of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Drinking my, my cola. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I finally caught up with the film tetris on apple plus it's basically the story of trying to get the rights for the tetris game out of russia so that it can be distributed 
on the Nintendo Game Boy and throughout the world. Honestly, pretty good. It's actually a pretty fun little film. I mean, it kind of looks back a little bit at that gaming history, but yeah, I don't know how much of it's true and how much of it's embellished for the story, but there's some, some serious intrigue on getting the rights to, to Tetris and some being almost being caught behind the trap behind the iron curtain and disappeared into a gulag somewhere trying to get the trying to get the game out to audiences outside of Russia. Wow, I didn't know it was like that that much of an ordeal or that crazy a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's pretty neat. Yeah, good. Good, good. 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 Swell. All right, now let's, let's try and you want to just kind of just try and breeze through this for Matt. I want to make this as painless for him as possible. <laughs> Let's spend a few minutes and talk about my boy Coop and uh, Maestro. Seems I'm attracted to a certain type. Listen, Mm. you know, Lenny loves you. He really does. He's just a man, a horribly aging man who cannot just be wholly one thing. He's he's, uh, lost. I've always known who he is. He called me, you know. And? He wants us all to go to Fairfield together for two weeks. He sounded different. Felicia. No, I... I, Let's not make excuses. He didn't fail me. It's Felicia. No, it's... It's my own arrogance. To think I could survive on what he could give. It's just so ironic. I would look at everyone, even my own children, with such pity because of their longing for his attention. It was, it was sort of a banner I wore so proudly. I don't need. I don't need. And <laughs> look at me now. Who's the one who hasn't been honest? So, Matt, a lot of people have been tied into this film. I think at one point Spielberg was going to direct it. And uh, just... A lot of people in and out of it, and uh, eventually Cooper is able to get in. He now he also co-wrote the script with Josh Singer. Uh, Scorsese helped produce it uh, as well. I think he may have an attached at one point too. So eventually Cooper gets his hands on it's his directorial debut. Limited openings uh, available on Netflix right now. It's about uh, Leonard Bernstein. It starts off with him seventy, uh, seven years old, kind of being interviewed. Then we flash back to forty-three. He gets his big break because the main conductor there at the Philharmonic can't make it. He's ill and has such an outrageous, incredible performance. His Basically, his career takes off from there. He writes some of the greatest Broadway musicals of all time, composed some very successful operas, just a whole bunch of different stuff. The man was a legend and genius. Matt, let me ask you about Maestro. When you're making a movie sometimes, if you're really passionate about it, can you just sometimes just try too hard? Absolutely. And I th- I think we may have gotten that here. It, they tried so hard that they came back around to where it's kind of boring. I will say this, though. Carrie Mulligan's really good in this. She has some really cr- firecracker scenes in this that she really puts it all out there. But unfortunately, she's the only one who seems to be up to that task. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, we have the uh, supporting female character is the shining moment of the film. Absolutely. She is fantastic in this. When she has that couple of these scenes interacting with him, dealing with him uh, and his picadillos, as they say back then. What would they say? Would they say picadillos back then? So Bernstein was, I guess he was bisexual, right? But mm-hmm. I think more leaned, if I have to go with 60-40 gay. Is that how you would maybe, do maybe it? 70, maybe maybe seventy thirty. Okay, <laughs> but given the times, you know, it's not exactly something you could be quite open with. And uh, she's comfortable—not comfortable, but she accepts, I guess, that part of him as long as he is discreet as well. And their relationship is a little rocky off and on. She gets diagnosed with cancer, and he brings her back into the home and cares for her very sweetly, very lovingly until she passes away, and. It's the romance and the, their story, I think, is think is very interesting and could be one of these classic romances for the ages. It's just that I feel like Cooper's desperately trying to make a classic Hollywood film with kind of modern techniques. He's shifting from black and white to color along with some of his shot compositions. I mean, he, he typically focuses square on Mulligan uh, whenever she's talking, really, to kind of show how key and how integral she was to that relationship. 
Uh, I mean, at one point, though, Cooper literally puts his puts her in his shadow. This gigantic kind of silky, velvety black shadow, right? At one point. And it's just, that's what it is. He's trying to create this kind of classic Hollywood film. But it it just screams try hard to me over and over again. And I think Cooper, for the most part, has moments when he's really good in this. But other times, I think he makes a lot of, hey, look at me choices in this performance. But that one scene, I think, where he has the conversation with his daughter, played by uh, Maya Hawk, talking about the rumors about him mm-hmm. that are floating around. And when he says they're not true and her reaction that they're not true, you, 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 he holds it perfectly inside, seeing that he's crushed and he can't be who he really is with his children. I think that was a nice and very good moment. But other times, it's just a bit much. It's a bit outsized. Though I will say, watching uh, uh, Lenny do some coke was not something I expected to see in a film, really. <laughs> but but I, I appreciate his life was somewhat tortured by the social expectations of the time. But I'm relieved that that cat knew how to party. So, well, he that's did. something, I guess. He did. He certainly knew how to party, that's for sure. I mean, The film from the end, Matt, reminded me of like when I used to paint. Like, I tried really hard. I had a vision. I just routinely failed to execute it. <laughs> Well, at least you recognized if that was the case. I don't think Bradley Cooper would recognize that he may have failed to execute on kind of getting this this made the way he wanted it to be. But mm-hmm. like I said, Carrie Mulligan's really good in this. I would say it's really, I would hesitate to say that she's like the supporting role. I feel like she's the co-lead because this is really Fair. their story, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, this, you're is, right. this is their story. It's not so much about Bernstein. It is about this relationship between these two people. And, you know, her name is before his on the poster and the credits too. mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think there is, and I I will say this, if you're going into this for them to like really focus on like some of his works that he made, they're only very slightly alluded to. I mean, I think they only even like mention West side story by name, like, once and they yeah few little bits of the music but it, all of that stuff is kind of tertiary to this kind of personal family drama and you know being um what's the word i'm looking for here just having a a, a what was considered a a alternative lifestyle if you will back in that in those days and just the kind of the struggles that he had with it you know cooper's i think game but he's just She's just left, you know, Carrie Mulligan again, just leaves him in the dust. It's too bad. She does. No, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's one shot too. I think when they have one of the confrontations and he's the way he shoots him is that he's in a mirror. So he, she's in the center and then he's surrounding her. So the other, his two, his, the two lives that he's leading, right. It's that kind of just obvious kind right. of stuff that right. he's doing in this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I get it. It's a split. These two, two lives. That's two of these kind of, yeah, no, I get, I get that. Clever. Yeah. So I'm giving Maestro a C, Matt. Just hey, me too. Again, Carrie Mulligan. So yeah, yeah. C's all around. It's an average episode. So well, not this. You and I are top shelf, <laughs> but the films where the cat's pajamas, Matt. What do you like better, cat's meow or cat's pajamas? I think I like the cat's meow. Okay, but I feel like you think- like the cat's pajama better because it's very old timey. Well, they both are. I think I like Cat's Meow better, but it's f- more fun to say the cat's pajamas. Pajamas? Yeah. Yeah. The cat's pajamas is more fun to say than the cat's well, meow. Well, you know what? You gotta cat's get- Meow is cool. Cat's pajamas is fun. You got to get your fun in where you can. I think I'm done rambling. I apologize, Matt. We wanted to get through this fast for you. So if you've seen Maestro, which is currently streaming on Netflix, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt, I want you to tell me some of the stuff that you caught up with in 2023 that I would make the cut for the show. I didn't really put any guardrails on this. Mm, so no if you, you want to throw in a show or something or, hell, even an album, I, I don't know. Just some piece of art that you uh, ingested with your ears and your eyes and maybe your mouth. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd like to hear all about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, U.S. Robotics pulled out of the deal. 
Told you. Yeah. What's our exposure? Exposure. How much money did you spend on the modems? Oh, uh, 1.6 million. One point what? What? We spent 1.6 million on materials and labor. Where did you get 1.6 million dollars? I got a loan from the Bank of Montreal. Mike, come on. Get me U.S. Robotics! Uh, sorry, who are you talking to? Yeah. What the fuck is that? Oh, um, it's called a carrier wave. The uh, calling modem is a leaving. Hey! Get off the fucking internet! Matt, that is a clip from Blackberry, the uh, Canadian indie comedy about the kind of story behind Blackberry, featuring Glenn Howerton and Jay Baruchel. I had recently caught up with it, and I had a blast with that film. Have you seen Blackberry yet? I have not. I've seen the preview or like the promos for it, but I haven't seen it yet. Howerton is an absolute blast in that thing. He's like that the whole time, just foul-mouthed and loud, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's going to be uh, on my list, so I don't want to reveal too much. So, in fact, I think, Matt, I'll go first, okay. and then we'll give you the ultimate number one oh. since I hurt your fee-fees earlier on, and I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. We'll just let's let's just leave it alone. All right. <laughs> so my number five, I think I'm gonna go with Joyride. Okay. I still haven't seen that yet. It is. It's fun. I think it has some of the one of the more interesting shot selections I've seen in a film, perhaps in my entire life, which you were kind enough to warn me about. Sure. But still, doesn't really prepare you. <laughs> And uh, about the uh, four young women who uh, go to um, Korea to uh, find, uh, is it, what's her name? It's uh, Park? Oh boy, I'm blanking on the young lady's name now. <laughs> Good old Grandpa Chris is uh, having a little issue. Ashley Park, I wasn't that wrong. In fact, I wasn't wrong at all. So, yeah. I mean, I guess they first they go to China, right? But then they find out that her mom was Korean, so then they have to go there. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, they go, uh, they travel over there to meet her mom, um, try and get a break, these four friends, and then obviously things go awry. It's very ribald, very vulgar at times, perhaps a bit over the top. Another film that maybe may try a little bit too hard for those kind of inappropriate sex comedy jokes. But I think the relationship amongst the four characters feels authentic to me. I think they had a lot of, it looks like they had, certainly had a lot of fun putting it together. And um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed Joyride. All I right. think it's worth checking out. All right. Yeah. I'm in, Just not with your kids and not with your parents. Yeah. I meant to try and catch up with that at some point, but I never have. I'm still kind of waiting for it to come out on streaming at this point. I mean, yeah, I, we saw the Jennifer Lawrence sex comedy, which was entertaining enough. Would you, would you mm -hmm. say that that? That No Hard Feelings is better than Joyride? Did you enjoy No Hard Feelings Ooh, more? Oh, that's interesting. Silence, silence, <laughs> silence. Uh, I don't... I think I... I think there are parts of No Hard Feelings that are funnier yeah. than Joyride, but I think maybe Joyride might be a better all-around film. Okay. I think that's why I'm struggling. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Um, so, I have a confession to make. I haven't... Honestly... I don't think I watched that many new movies that were not for the show. I've only, so I was going back through my letterbox and I've have like a handful of stuff. That's not like super old. So I'll start off with, with thing number one that I watched early on in the new year. And I believe I talked about it on the show was uh, a film called Deadstream. It's a shutter mm -hmm. original where essentially a, god-awful uh, streamer in the vein of like a, a Markiplier or something like that who decides that he's going to go spend the night at a haunted house and live stream it. And of course, that is an ill-advised idea. The main character is just the right amount of annoying so that you don't necessarily feel too bad for him with what's going on. But at the same time, it's... It is oddly effective, and even when the jokes, as much as I don't like horror comedy, it is actually lands pretty well for the most part. It's actually a fun little indie horror film that I would recommend people check out. It's it's a, a surprisingly good time on Shutter. 
Excellent. Yeah, no, I still have to check that one out based on your recommendation. So, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember if I saw, if I mentioned, it doesn't matter. My number four is going to be BlackBerry. Okay. I think that uh, it may, it feels, I think it's the first film by the director, so and it feels like that a few times, but there's enough in that film. There are enough laughs there. It's very smart, and the performances by Barishon, particularly Howerton, uh, just you have to see him. It's just a, it's it's really good. I laughed out loud quite a few times watching that film. So, yeah, it's if you're looking for a good fun co- comedy, it's something you haven't seen before. That's mostly kind of sort of based on a true story. Mm-hmm. It's uh, well worth checking out. So yeah, Blackberry is my four. All right, so here's where I start to go rogue. I'm going away from the movie format because I have a lot of different things that I, consume, <laughs> I consumed over the, the past year. So I am going to mention something that is at times gorgeous to look at, very creative and idea, but absolutely idiotic in, in, in execution. So there is a show on Apple Plus called C. Stars Jason Momoa, and essentially the conceit is at some plague in the future has taken away everyone's sight, and every person who is born after this plague is blind. They have never seen in their life. And essentially, there's an entire society, post apocalyptic society, built of blind people. Well, guess what? Somebody in Jason Momoa's village has two-sided children and of course that causes all kinds of uh crazy stuff to happen as everybody tries to get a hold of these two children it is at times really fun as far as action-packed stuff goes it's very creative in the way they kind of thought through the way people would fight if they were blind the way that they would have wage war it is has some really incredibly brutal and bloody fight scenes in it and, and battle scenes. But at the same time, there's just enough stupidity to it that it, it walks you right up to the edge of being ridiculous and I don't want to watch this anymore, but it never quite goes over the end. Yes, a lot of the characters are stupid and annoying, but Jason Momoa is game. He's a lot of fun. Dave Bautista shows up for a couple seasons as a main villain. Oh, nice. I, if you're looking for kind of like a... Just quick, few-season, dumb, fun, sci-fi show. C is the one you should check out on Apple+. Plus. Nice. There's a couple things on Apple+, Plus I've been wanting to check out. Uh, one of them is my three, which is Shrinking. Mm. Uh, it came out in 2023. It features uh, Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. And uh, they are... Uh, basically, they, they run a... Uh, a psychiatrist practice or shrinks, mm-hmm. right? That's the word I'm looking for here. And Siegel's wife died unexpectedly in a car accident. And he's been slowly recovering from all of that and trying to figure kind of his next life. Also, Jessica Williams is in it and she's very good too. But he takes an unorthodox approach to his therapy with like, you know, he's a lot of times you have a therapist and say, oh, how, how do you feel about that? All right? What does that make you feel? But he actually... Once he kind of has this snap kind of moment, Mm -hmm. he actually tells his patients what to do with different circumstances. Uh, But it's my favorite performance of Harrison Ford in probably 15, 20 years. I think he's very good in this. And it's very funny. It's very sweet. It's very touching. And uh, it's really good. I I think I read they're giving it a second season. So I'm very excited about that. And it's by... um, Krista Miller is in it from uh, Scrubs as well. Bill Lawrence is one of the executive producers along with Siegel because he did Scrubs, right? So, And then Brett Goldstein as well. So I guess what's what happened is Goldstein from uh, Ted Lasso okay. had the idea for this kind of dark drama about a therapist. And then they said, well, you know what? Uh, Bill Lawrence is working on an idea. Why don't you mash them together? So it had that kind of adult kind of serious dramedy type of feel to it. But it is very, very funny at times. So... That's my uh, three. All right. So my number three is another kind of indie horror on Shudder. So have you seen the original Hell House LLC? I think I talked about this in in Halloween. So the first one is actually, I had never seen it until very recently. And I was actually surprised at how effective it is. It actually is a pretty 
tense, suspenseful little found footage movie that I think people should check out. It's, it's pretty scary. And they came out with a sequel called Hell House LLC Mouthful Origins, The Carmichael Manor, I guess, which is a pseudo prequel. And again, not as good as the original, but it's actually surprisingly effective again for a low budget horror film that's out on Shudder. Came out this in 2023. I think, again, if you're into looking for a kind of under the radar cheap horror film, that are that's fun to watch i think you should check that one out nice so um my number two that is so much on shutter i have to watch mm-hmm. it's crazy the my number two then is the uh on netflix it's tim robinson's show i think you should leave uh they had a third season this past year for me for sketch comedy shows it's the funniest one i've seen in quite a while uh, very weird, very awkward at times. Lots of it's very memeable. You'll see a lot of memes, I think, online because of it. Mm-hmm. But it's another one of those. Shows. I think the third season is strong. I don't know if it's as good as the first season or the second, but I still think there are some of the sketches are all timers. So if you have if you like sketch comedy and a lot of the sketches too, each episode I think averages like twenty minutes, maybe right. So that's in and out, and they uh, segue really nicely with each other. And um, it's it's a lot of fun. So if, if you haven't seen it, obviously uh, check it out, please. It's on Netflix. Sam Richardson shows up a lot in it as well. He did a show with him called Detroiters. I saw the first episode and I thought it was hilarious. I still haven't caught up with the rest of it. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I do need to watch that. I have not, I have not seen it. You've seen any of them? No, I have not seen any of them, no. Uh, okay. I'll have to get on It's that. very absurdist. Okay. So like, if you're not into absurd humor, people... It may not work for you, but yeah. Very good. Uh, Okay, so my number two, again, I will keep beating this drum as long as people will listen to me as I shout this out into the void. In 2023, we got a new season of the animated Star Trek series, Lower Decks, and it's on Paramount+. Plus. If you're unfamiliar with what it's about, it is essentially every Star Trek show has followed basically the bridge crew, the captain, the first officer, all of the heads of the department, and all of their heroic adventures. This focuses on the low-level crewmen who basically have to do all of the crap work. It is funny. It is incredibly ingrained in the minutia of Trek. It all points out all of the kind of absurdist stuff that is in a lot of Trek when you really stop to think about it. And, but it's ultimately it's a letter of love just talking about stuff like them holding lots to see who has to go clean out the bio filters in the hollow deck and things like that is, is just a, a joy when you start to think about all the stuff that nobody, that everybody's talked about if you're a Trek fan, but they never bring up in the show. Well, they're going to touch on all of that in this. And it's, it's so good. I recently bought all three seasons. Actually, I should say that. I own season two of the original series. Okay. And I had gotten a gift card from Amazon. So I bought seasons one and three on Blu-ray because they were like less than 20 bucks. What the hell was that? I don't don't have Paramount Plus. So I'm like, why not jump all over that? At least now I'll have them, you know? And I've started to watch them. And uh, it's fun. I like watching the original show. So Yeah. But I still have to catch up with that. So then uh, my number one, Matt, is going to be Flora and Son, which is another Apple t- TV film. It is another John Carney joint. If you're not familiar with John Carney, he did one of my favorite films once. And then he also did uh, one of, I think, the best films of 2016, Sing Street. And he is back again with his particular kind of, what, musical, dramedy, romance type film. And uh, this one features... Uh, Eve Hewson, that name, last name Hewson may mean something to you. If you are a fan of music, you may know her dad, Bono. So mm. uh, no, uh, I'm sure, no uh, Nepo baby stuff there. No, Eve Hewson's fine on this, actually. She's quite good. And then Jack Rayner shows up, who's one of my favorite. I'm telling you, I love Jack Rayner, and I've been pushing for him now. I've, I've decided that he's who I want to be James Bond next. I think he could totally do that role. And uh, I I don't think he's even in the conversation. I don't know, though. I think the Eon folks aren't even talking about that yet, which still blows my mind, but whatever. But I would love for him for that role. But Jack Rayner's in this. He's great. Joseph Gordon-Levitt also plays a key role. So it's basically this young single mom 
her uh, her partner, her husband has left her for another woman, and she's still raising the kid. They have they have kind of joint custody. The kid keeps getting in trouble with the law, and she's trying to find something for him to keep him occupied. So she gets him into music a little bit, buys a guitar. He doesn't want the guitar, so she starts playing it. Takes online lessons from a guy in California, Joseph Gordon Levitt, mm-hmm. and um, they kind of maybe have a romance come on you know spark over online or not it's very it's very sweet very funny and the music's pretty good it's not once good but it's pretty good all uh, mostly original songs but it does include uh both sides now kind of plays a key role in the film which to me is still one of the most beautiful songs ever written uh Joni Mitchell's uh both sides now right and uh mm-hmm. who did it Judy Collins did the kind of the first version of it i believe was it Judy Collins i don't know so anyway one of those songs that kind of change your life the first time you hear it. Regardless, Foreign Sun is my number one on Apple TV. Plus. All right. Very nice. I'll have to check that out. All right. So my number one then is something that I read as, but don't worry everyone out there in podcast land, as well as my esteemed co-host. This is, I'm going to recommend is a comic book. So mm-hmm. this is a book by DC Comics called The Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian Fourth. This is the pitch. A group of friends who have been separated by a long, you know, series of, of decades, basically are all kind of loosely tied together by a particular individual named Walter. And he invites them all up to a fabulous lake house for a weekend for them all just to kind of hang out and have fun. Uh, they get up there. He says, anything that you want is available. We can relax and enjoy yourself. And as they're all sitting there getting having a cookout, having some drinks, enjoying the the beautiful view. They all start to get pings on their phone and they start getting notices where the world outside, everyone in the, there's a, is basically fires are raging across the earth and everyone is dying in these horrible, like melting ways. And that's when Walter says, I built this place for you. You can never leave, but you can do whatever you want while you're here and vanishes. Basically it's then those Walter who says that he's preparing the earth for his people and has decided to save them, his friends at this place. And he's built this particular nice house on the lake for them. It's essentially a fantastic, like I bought this, the first volume of this so long ago on a, on a sale on Kindle or something and it just sat in my iPad. I never read it, never read it. And I finally got on a plane and I read it. And I just went through it so fast. I got every other one that they had available to them. As far as a sci-fi horror story goes, it is absolutely fantastic. And I mm. can't wait to see what happens next. It's basically described as the horror version of The Big Chill. And it is... You should, you should definitely... Uh, my description doesn't do it justice. I haven't really hopefully spoiled too much of it for you, but you should definitely check out because it is fantastic read. Nice. Man, I love that. You, you sold it to me, Matt. That sounds fantastic. All right. If you had a chance to watch, read any of these things, uh, go ahead and uh, shoot us an email. It'll be your thoughts. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, honorable mentions? Uh, not really i did have a running list but i've suddenly forgot them when you started moving on i said okay i don't need those anymore and i've just des- destroyed them all about oh, my sorry brain. About <laughs> it's that. okay it's all right it's all right no problem what uh else? what else i i enjoyed the great british baking show for this year it just mm. ended a couple weeks ago it was okay. pretty good and uh I, thanks to matt's recommendation i burned through barry mm. uh when i really enjoyed that that was fun yeah that's a good show and actually you know what one of the hallmark films this year wasn't horrible Okay. It was called Round and Round, and it was actually the one Hanukkah film in the okay. group. But it actually was pretty clever. It was a, another Groundhog Day film, so sure. But uh, the jokes in it were pretty good. Okay. I actually laughed a few times watching it. So good job, Hallmark. I was actually kind of impressed with that. So there you go. Did you ever finish? Uh, right. end up finishing watching Monarch? Yeah, no, well, I'm caught up. Okay. I, I'm not so, like I haven't seen past the second episode. So how is it holding up so far? It's 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 still pretty good. Okay. It does take some interesting turns and it's 
I'm, they had the big reveal at the end of the last episode. I'm not sure I'm 100% on board with. Though I think it's, you kind of see it coming a bit. But I'm a little nervous. But for the most part, I'm still on board. It's still pretty good. Okay. And uh, same with Reacher. I'm, uh, I'm all caught up on Reacher, which I'm enjoying. And that's been pretty good, too. I think so far it is still better than the prior season, for sure. And I think that one's only got an episode two left itself. I think that's only running eight, nine. Either way, yeah. it's They're fine. They're good. Good. There you go. Uh, Matt, what's coming up next week? I got to say, I have some stuff on there. Yeah, but... I don't know. Because, honestly, the... So what's next on the actual thing is zone of interest, but we know that's not going to be out for a few more weeks, right? So do you not see the 2024 tab? I, oh, you know what? I do see that. I'm sorry. That's quite all right. So I'm not, the thing about that. So we had the beekeeper, the latest Statham Mm -hmm. actioner, Mm -hmm. but they're still showing in my neck of the woods, the iron claw. Okay. Which I don't know if you have any interest in seeing. And then um, something else showed up. Uh, American Fiction as well is playing around here. Okay. So I don't know if any of those, you'd prefer to do any of those, either of those instead of the Beekeeper. Sure. Um, you can uh, take a look at those and let me know. I'm, I'm open. How about Founder's Day? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. All right, yeah. It's a I'll... horror film I think about, yeah. But yeah. take a look, let us know. But it could be any one of those folks. So okay. uh, we'll have to see how it goes. In the meantime... What do you do here? We talk about, we wrap it up. So yeah, you can do. find us at thefirstrun.com. And uh, we've updated the calendar, not the calendar, the, the report card is up there. And I've actually included a player. So if you go to the homepage now, uh, as soon as you get to thefirstrun.com, you can actually start the show right there. It won't autoplay, so you don't have to worry about that. But you can actually, instead of popping into each entry, you can just hit play. Um, what I don't know how to do is to have it pop up and continue to play if you go to another page in the site. Mm. Mm, that's the next challenge for me so there's that and archives of all the old shows are there too check us out on facebook instagram twitter youtube do a search for the first run scroll 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 eventually you'll find us and head over to apple Podcasts. give us a review it'll help other people find the show and it'll make me love you even more than i already do so uh, i guess that's it matt so let's go ahead then and take an extended break we love you very much and we will see you all soon happy new year Twenty years, not once have you thrown a woman my way. You don't think we like cheating on our wives too? And you never once paid for drugs. Not once. You pay that that chimp more than you pay us. I had to borrow from the chimp to get a mortgage on my house. And those stupid Siamese glass cats you get us every year for Christmas. I don't want any more Siamese glass cats. The Siamese cat is a symbol of nobility in ancient Egypt. Fuck nobility. Fuck ancient Egypt. Fuck cats. And you never paid for drugs. Not once. You slept with my wife. You slept with me too. And I've had confused feelings about that for 10 years now. And you never once paid for drugs. Not once.